person who knows how will always have a job. The person who knows why will always be the boss, Diane Rabich. Hi, and welcome to the Contextual Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Coots, author of the award-winning book, Contextual Intelligence, How Thinking in 3D Can Help Resolve Complexity, Uncertainty, and Ambiguity. And welcome to episode eight. In this episode, we are going to talk about chapter seven, which finishes up on the three meta skills of the contextually intelligent thinker. And the first one we talked about leveraging complexity, that was episode six. Episode seven was leveraging your experience and episode eight, which is chapter seven is leveraging learning. So leveraging complexity, leveraging experience, and now finally leveraging learning. And what's really important about understanding how to leverage our learning is to unpack the idea and concept of tacit knowledge. And it's tacit knowledge that really feeds and strengthens our capacity to have insight. In other words, to know what's going on in real time, in this moment right here, right now. What are the factors and variables that influence the decisions I make in real time? And that's where tacit knowledge comes into play. And the chapter starts off where I talk about how we traditionally measure intelligence in terms of explicit knowledge or the things that are seen. And we talk about GPA and SAT scores and IQ and other aspects of explicit knowledge. And to understand tacit knowledge, we first have to talk about explicit knowledge. And explicit knowledge are quite literally the things that we can see, the things that we can measure, the things that we can convey from one person to another person. The metaphor of an iceberg is really important here because we all can imagine an iceberg and we see the ice above the surface of the water, right? The 18 to 20% of the iceberg that's above the surface is what we see. That can be related to explicit knowledge, but really about 85 to 80% of the volume or mass of the iceberg is beneath the surface of the water. And if you consider the surface of the water, the threshold between the conscious and the subconscious, the ice that is above the surface is explicit knowledge. It's what we see, it's what we can measure, those kinds of things. But so much more, in fact, 80% or more of what we actually know is beneath the surface of the water, out of our sight, something that we are not immediately aware of. And that's really what tacit knowledge is. And being that most of the knowledge we carry around with us is tacit, the natural thing to conclude then is most of the behaviors that we do are based on tacit knowledge, which means most of the time when someone is asked, why did you do that? What were you thinking? How did you come to that conclusion? The answer is, I don't know. And it's not that we don't know, it's just that we haven't thought about it. It's out of our awareness right now. And what the contextually intelligent person does and spends time learning how to do is identify those tacit moments and those tacit insights that they hold that aren't necessarily immediately accessible. So this means there's a lot of metacognition involved. There's a lot of thinking about our thinking. There's a lot of unpacking the assumptions and the heuristics that we make about life and about the decisions we make. And see, all of us carry around a high percentage of assumptions, a high percentage of values and beliefs that we assume 
people do and behave the same way that I do because, well, everybody does it. The reality is that's just simply not true. Everyone has their own experiences, their own frameworks, their own heuristics that their experience taught them, even when those experiences are identical or very similar. And that's really what's neat about this idea of tacit knowledge and why it's so important in leveraging our learning. Because what we need to do is go back to some of those memories, some of those experiences, some of those moments that we've had, and ask ourselves the important question of, why did I come to this conclusion when so many other people who have experienced the same or similar things came to a different conclusion? And that's really the beginning of unpacking our tacit knowledge and the beginning of learning to leverage our learning. Uh, One example that comes to mind is even the axioms that we use, the analogies that we use, the idioms that we come up with, and how we assign meaning to those, which is tacit. For example, you could make the phrase, oh, that came out of left field. Now, people of a certain culture in a certain geographic area might know exactly what you mean when you say you're playing out of left field or that came out of left field. And the reason why that comes up as an example for me is I was on a call recently where it was an international committee. So there was members of the call from several different countries, several different cultures, few of which even know what baseball is or would be familiar enough with baseball to recognize the analogy to left field. What was interesting is someone on the call said something about out of left field, assuming that everybody knew what that meant. That's an example of tacit knowledge is is I know what this means. Other people know what this means, but I don't know where I learned it. It's not like, you know, we were never taken aside at any part of our education and told when somebody says out of left field, this is what they mean. But we just come to learn these things over time from observation, from experience, from cultural things that occur. And again, you know, they call baseball America's pastime, right? So Americans generally are familiar with the notion or the statement of what it means to say someone's coming out of left field or this idea came out of left field. Well, when you've got people on the call who have no idea what baseball is, the only analogy they have to baseball is, well, it's something like cricket. They don't have a left field in cricket, you know, so so they're not going to understand what you mean there. And that's tacit. So the person who practices contextual intelligence understands the things that they say, the things they assume, the presumptions they make are idiosyncratic to them. And because of that, they need to do the work of unlearning and relearning. And what that relearning is, is relearning about why I think what I think, believe what I believe, all the way down to these fundamental tenets that we don't even think about. And that's the point. So we need to think about the things that we don't even think about. We can't do that until someone else draws that into our awareness. The beautiful thing about tacit knowledge is we can begin to draw some of these things into our own awareness by doing certain behaviors and practices, one of which is what I refer to as analogical reasoning. And some people might refer to it as analogical inference. Analogical reasoning is when we come up with the next closest thing to the actual thing, right? Analogical reasoning is a significant source of tacit knowledge and a great way to leverage learning. This is because we are creating an analogy from an experience in the past and applying it to a new situation in the present. When analogical reasoning is used appropriately, it can make up 
for a lack of experience. So analogical reasoning helps us compare apparent similarities between two situations. Now, one of the things that it can't do is reframe the actual moment that we're in. And this is one of the dangers of analogical reasoning. And that's when we see something that we haven't really experienced before or are engaging in something that is unfamiliar to us, It is a good thing to think about something similar that might carry over because sometimes something similar can add insight to what is unfamiliar to us. However, there's a danger in that. And the danger is making the unfamiliar thing or the new thing fit the old pattern. And so what we can't do is recreate the new thing to be like the old thing. But what we can do is take something that was similar from the other thing and bring it into this and use it as an experiment. So when I give the recommendation of one of the things contextually intelligent people do more than others is they experiment more in interpersonal and social dynamics. This is what I mean keeping true to the term experiment. That means if it fails, you throw the results out instead of trying to find a way to explain them away or fit them in. So we don't want to become victims of confirmation bias here. So analogical inference or analogical reasoning is a double-edged sword. While it does add value and it is important for helping us leverage our learning, it can also be dangerous if we use it cavalierly. And we have to also be aware of our tendency for confirmation bias and our tendency to recreate the new thing in the image of the old thing. And we can't do that. And someone who is good at leveraging their learning and someone who understands the potency of tacit knowledge understands how to use analogical reasoning appropriately. The other recommendation I make is balancing vicarious experience with firsthand experience. And while we talk a lot about experience, in fact, the last meta skill in the last episode was about leveraging experience. It carries over into this meta skill as well when we talk about firsthand and vicarious experience. So firsthand experience is what we know it to mean. It's actually being engaged in whatever situation yourself. It's having done it yourself. You've been there firsthand. Vicarious experience is an appropriate substitute when firsthand experience isn't available. Vicarious experience is when you learn the lesson from someone else or you learn a lesson from someone else's experience. In fact, some people say one of the best attributes of a wise person or one of the greatest things that a wise person does is they learn from other people's mistakes instead of making their own mistakes. Now, there's something to be said about the potency and the long-term value of making your own mistakes, but then there's also value in learning from the mistakes of others and not repeating mistakes that other people have made. And that's what vicarious experience is about. There's a negative connotation to it when we talk about, well, that dad is living vicariously through his kids, you know, sports careers or, or whatever they're involved in. And we look at that and we use that as a derogatory statement towards that dad who doesn't have his own life, so to speak. It doesn't always have to be negative though. Vicarious experience can be valuable. It's one way, in fact, that we learn how to be empathetic. And in fact, empathy can grow from the legitimate and authentic use of vicarious experience. 
And that's one way we can leverage our learning is recognize, okay, what are those values? What are those assumptions? What are those those rules, those heuristics that I'm living by, where did they come from? Sometimes watching other people do things and make mistakes and putting yourself in their shoes helps you recognize your own assumptions and heuristics, and it helps you unlearn and relearn. And I think that's really, really important. The other thing about applying the lessons we learn from either vicarious experience or some of the other areas that we talked about, like analogical reasoning, et cetera, is this idea of innovation. And, and I mean innovation in this sense, not in so much you know, a new service or a new product. I mean innovation in a new way of thinking, in a new way of behaving for you personally. The person who knows how to leverage their learning, the person who knows how to benefit from their tacit knowledge, knows how to innovate and knows how to leverage innovation personally. And what's key about that is understanding that there are some specific sources or drivers of innovation. And here I draw from the brilliant work of Peter Drucker, who is a leadership and management scholar, extraordinaire, a leadership guru. And he's written actually lots on this area. In fact, one of the books that he's uh, noted for writing is on the seven drivers of innovation. I think the book is called Innovation and Entrepreneurship. And in that book, he identifies seven drivers of innovation. And we're not going to talk about each of the seven drivers because that's beyond the scope of, of what we're doing. But what is neat are three of those drivers deal with how we handle learning and tacit knowledge. One of those drivers is incongruity. Now, an incongruity occurs when something happens different than how you expected it to happen. So an incongruity can be a source of innovation because it requires seeing the world as it actually is versus the way we presume it to be. Most people see what they imagine the world to be. They don't actually see the world as it is. This is really, really important because the first thing, one of the first things that a contextually intelligent person does is they're aware of the fact that everything they take in is being filtered through their bias, their assumptions, their heuristics, their rules, their tacit knowledge. And we have to understand that the world as it is, it's probably different than how we perceive it to be, despite all the evidence we have to the contrary. The reason for that is because we only keep evidence that we already believe and that already supports what we think. The reality is there's a lot of other evidence out there that we are not considering. And what the contextually intelligent person does and what incongruity does for us is it forces us to consider some of the evidence that we normally might not consider. And that's really, really important. One of the other drivers of innovation is changes in perception, mood, and meaning. And this is just the gradual shift that occurs over time between how things are described and defined and how we come to know things. And as time goes on, as generations come and go, the meanings of things change, the value of things change, the way we perceive things occurring change. Being aware of that is really important. What people 
who lack contextual intelligence do is they assume that what one thing meant 50 years ago, it still means today. Now, I'm not here to talk about whether that's a good or bad thing, whether that's right or wrong, whether it should happen or shouldn't happen. It does. And that's the thing we need to recognize. And being able to entertain these ideas simultaneously is important. For example, the phrase or term loyalty has changed over time. In the last episode, I talk about the notion of experience and how experience has changed over time. And the value of experience used to be being able to solve the problem, and now it's being able to ask better questions. Loyalty is something similar to that. Loyalty used to mean longevity, time served, dedication, discipline, diligence, right? You were loyal when you put in 25 years of service. Well, now loyalty doesn't mean that. People don't stay in jobs for 25 years very often anymore. So how can we be loyal if I'm changing jobs every two or three years, right? Well, loyalty has come to mean something different now than what it used to be. Now loyalty means intensity of effort. And we consider someone loyal if they give a high intense effort to their work. That's just an example of changes in perception, mood, and meaning that occur over time. And how that's important is someone who practices contextual intelligence then, and someone who understands tacit knowledge and knows how to leverage their learning, recognizes that they need to keep up to speed with these changes in mood, meaning, and perception so that they can innovate in their attitudes and their behaviors and their assumptions. The third area that's a driver of innovation, the last one we'll talk about that's relevant here is new knowledge. You know, as a source of information, new knowledge is not isolated to a single discovery. It's innovation that comes from the result of merging existing knowledge that other people possess. It might not be new in the grand scope of the world has never seen this before, but it might be new to you. And when we're talking about tacit awareness and tacit knowledge, it's the new to you stuff that's really important. And it's the new knowledge that you're aware of that you might not have been aware of before that someone else might have been aware of that helps you recalibrate and restructure how you interact with the world, how you interact with ideas, how you interact with people. And that's really a source of innovation and something that helps you uncover Again, those heuristics, those rules, that tacit awareness. One of the things that's important to recognize about tacit knowledge is the fact that it's also known by other names. Tacit knowledge is the technical or scientific professional term for what has also been called intuition or wisdom. And when we use the word wisdom, it tends to bring with it the connotation of, well, you can't have it unless you've got a lot of experience, right? People who are wise are wise because of time past. They've made a lot of mistakes. They've learned a lot of lessons over time and therefore have become wise. Intuition, on the other hand, doesn't necessarily imply a lot of mistakes have been made. Intuition allows for the little birdie told me or a flash of insight. Tacit knowledge is kind of the convergence of wisdom and intuition. And when we talk about tacit knowledge, certainly it can come as a result of experience and a result of many, many, many years of doing something the right way. 
but it can also come with little experience. And that's part of what's neat about practicing these things by practicing analogical reasoning, using vicarious experiences, understanding these drivers of innovation, we can actually begin to unpack the assumptions, the rules, the presumptions, the heuristics that we live by and leverage our learning, unlearning and relearning. And someone who is aware of why they think what they think, how they come to know what they think they know, instead of just being an out of awareness thing that they can't explain when asked, well, why did you do that? Or how come you behave this way? They don't just say, well, I don't know. That's not acceptable. Someone who practices contextual intelligence isn't satisfied with a, I don't know. I just was lucky. I don't know. It's just what we were supposed to do. Or I don't know. It just felt like the right thing to do. There was something there. There was something that seeded this behavior, something that seeded this assumption that you made to go in this particular direction. The person who tries to leverage learning and develops this meta skill and is tacitly aware actively tries to uncover the history behind why they think what they think, why they do what they do, why they behave the way they behave, why they hold certain assumptions, etc. And that's really, really the important part of leveraging learning and something that once we learn to master really feeds this idea of being contextually intelligent. So if you want to learn more about contextual intelligence, I would love to get this book in your hands. Again, the title is Contextual Intelligence, How Thinking in 3D Can Help Resolve Complexity, Uncertainty, and Ambiguity. And if you want to know more about tacit knowledge, vicarious experience, leveraging your learning, all the things we talked about, you need to get your hands on this book and this chapter. We have graphs and charts in here on explicit versus tacit knowledge, the iceberg analogy. I actually have a case study in here, as well as two or three other examples of tacit knowledge occurring in real time, true stories. I have a list of seven questions that you can ask yourself to develop your tacit awareness, all in here that we didn't get to talk about in the episode. So if you'd like to get this book, please reach out to me. I will put contact information, ways to get it in the show notes. Go to my website. That's the best place to get it, matthewcoots.com. I'll have that information, that link in my show notes, as well as other links to get in touch with me. I'd love to get this in your hands. And if you'd love to have this as a workshop or a training or any aspect of contextual intelligence for your team or your organization, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to connect with you over that. In the meantime, have a great day.